hello everybody this is salil tripathi from the institute for human rights and business and i'm in conversation today with anneke von budenberg who's the executive director of raid that's about rights and accountability in uh, for deve- in development this is an organization that has done phenomenal work over the years in trying to get remedy for victims of human rights abuses it has focused particularly towards situations of armed conflict in the democratic republic of congo and taken up cases that have gone to the oecd national contact point mechanisms and so on and anike welcome to our podcast the question i have is about uh, the verdict today from the african commission which deals with the envil case can you tell us a bit about the background of the case and uh, about the verdict itself Sure. Well, it, it's a phenomenal victory, really, for the victims um, of a small town in uh, southern Democratic Republic of Congo called Kilwa, which is a town that's on the border with Zambia and also a town that very nearby to it has a large copper and silver mine. And in 2004, the Congolese army, uh, allegedly in an attempt to put down some rebels, went on a rampage in this town, killing some 73 people. and uh, summarily executing many of them shelling the town killing lots of women and children in the process what was critical as part of this massacre is that anvil mining who operated the nearby mine played an important and substantial role in the course of those killings by in fact providing significant logistical support to the congolese army including chartering planes or or permitting soldiers to go on the planes that were bringing them into the town of kilwa their vehicles were used their drivers were used and that role was really quite important and indeed significant according to united nations investigation to how that massacre was committed now anvil and, is a multinational it's from canada am i right so anvil is a canadian australian company right. uh with offices in both canada and in australia and this mine was one of their most important assets and and since that day the um the victims have tried to find justice the united nations documented the crimes in thorough detail in two reports and there was then after significant pressure from raid as well as local congolese human rights organizations the congolese authorities through a military court did start proceedings both against the uh, the soldiers themselves but also against anvil mining company employees three of them in fact but there was political interference in the trial and it came to nothing and in fact the charges against the anvil mining staff were dropped and the soldiers were exonerated and it was that particular failure to get any kind of justice locally that pushed raid and the victims to try elsewhere both in canada and australia and then eventually at the african commission for human and people's rights so tell us about the canadian and australian cases because i believe one of the senior executives maybe the ceo made some remarks in an australian television program which at one point were very controversial Well yes indeed so there were of course two different tracks to right. the judicial action 
One was criminal. So there was pressure put by Raid and others that the Australian Federal Police open an investigation. They did so, and frankly, you know, significant personnel changes over the course of six years. The dossier just passed from pillar to post, from one person to the next, and, and really nothing ever substantial came of that. But there was a, a television documentary done in Australia, which really pushed initially the Australian police to look into it. And in that documentary, indeed, the CEO of Anvil Mining was really quite belligerent, saying, you know, so what if we helped to fly in army soldiers? So what if they stayed at our base? Really, this had nothing to do with us and, and our conscience is clear and we have nothing to answer for. Then, I mean, so in Australia, the criminal proceedings went nowhere. And then... In uh, spite of that, in spite of those self-incriminating statements. Correct. So in spite of that pressure, and, and frankly, I think the Australian Federal Police never took the investigation terribly seriously. They interviewed some Anvil Mining employees, but never sought to interview the victims or the eyewitnesses, who, of course, would have been crucial to the case. So then the action ping-ponged to Canada, where the victims, again with the support of RAID and some other international organizations, attempted a class action suit against Anvil Mining's Canadian entity. And that initially had some success on its first instance, where a court in Quebec and Canada agreed that it would have jurisdiction. But that decision was appealed by Anvil Mining, and the victims lost on appeal where the, the Quebec Superior Court decided on forum non-convenience that, in fact, Canada was not the appropriate place and it should be heard in either Congo or Australia. Congo had been tried and failed, so that was obviously not an option. And Australia was proving to be extremely difficult and it appeared to be the end of the road. So then the victims, again, together with, with RAID and other human rights organizations, uh, effectively made a last-ditch attempt at the African Commission. And, and that was filed in 2010. And so it is that decision, which took seven years, that has just come down and where finally we see victory. for. So the tell victory. us about the judgment. What does it say? So the judgment is, well, it's 48 pages long, so uh -huh. it goes into to an extreme amount of detail. Look, in a nutshell, it finds that the Congolese government was responsible for the abuses by its soldiers in, in Congo, that those soldiers should be held to account, and that the victims should be awarded $2.5 million, and that is only for the eight victims represented in the complaint, because they suffered uh, significant violations of their human rights and suffered violations of the African Charter on Human and People's Rights. But intriguingly, the African Commission also pointed its finger at Anvil Mining. This is what's really important about this case, because usually the African Commission only deals with the violations of states. But in this particular case, it did say that Anvil Mining and, in fact, extractive industry companies like Anvil Mining also have a responsibility to uphold human rights, and they cannot ignore or violate the rights of the communities in right. which they're operating. And so what the commission then says is there needs to be a new investigation here, and that both Congolese government agents or the soldiers, as well as Anvil Mining employees, need to answer for their crimes, be investigated and prosecuted. 
And, and that really is something quite extraordinary, as well, of course, as the historic compensation that the Commission has awarded. Right. Now, how do you see this forward in terms of standard setting? Do you expect this to mean companies taking better due diligence steps? Do you expect issues like this to be explored more closely at voluntary principles of the independent code of conduct for private security companies? Do you expect greater regulation by the state? What is the next step as we go forward? Well, again, something innovative about this judgment is that the, the commission does say that the Congolese government should put in place a monitoring commission, including representative of the victims, to in fact monitor implementation of the decision. But at the end of the day, this is a decision for the Congolese government. It's the Congolese government that is a member state of the African Union and hence that needs to implement the decision. Right. So, so the think, enforceability depends on the Congolese government's willingness to do so. Correct. So it would be now up to the Congolese government to implement it. We would expect, and I would, I'm sure it, it will occur, that Congolese civil society will be actively pushing for this. But frankly, this is also something that governments uh, who support Congo and who support the African Union should be insisting on implementation of this decision. But I do think there's there's a couple of other new avenues that now open up for judicial action. So one, of course, is Congo, and we'll need to push that Congo uh, starts a new investigation that is, in fact, much better than the previous one. I have to be honest, the African Commission was scathing about the Congolese military uh, trial that was held in relation to the Anvil Mining employees and the soldiers responsible, saying it was just an utter travesty of justice. So that is, of course, one possibility that we could see some degree of remedy and new standards set there. But I'd say there's a, there's a couple of other places where, where potentially there's some now some possibility for action. And that's back in Australia and Canada. Both criminal prosecutions or criminal investigations in those two countries um, largely stalled or were stopped because they said Congo's held a trial. Congo has decided no one's guilty. Case closed. Well, actually, now we have a decision that says it was a travesty of justice. And so I don't think either of those two investigations can hide any longer behind uh, this facade that Congo has taken action. What African commissioners clearly have said is that was not action and it was not appropriate. So I think we should be seeing and we should be urging now for both the Australian police as well as the Canadian police to pull their investigations off the shelf again and do those much more seriously. And that will therefore mean that the African Commission decision, if that occurs, will have been critical in, in fact, urging for and pushing action in other jurisdictions who were hiding behind a faulty judicial process. Now, I mean, this is my final question, but it kind of takes us to the next step. That if we look at um, you know companies in Nigeria and in Indonesia, in Colombia and Sudan and so on, we have had a history of encounters where we have abusive security forces and a corporation, which uh, I mean whether or not it intends to ends up being implicated in this situation. And there has always been a problem about the remedy. I mean, Alien Tort Claims Act was everybody's uh, hope, but that is increasingly narrowed in scope. Uh, we have a lot of conversation. You've been part of some that 
I have been part of some and we've all been talking about the whole issue of remedy and the treaty that everybody is looking forward to for business and human rights. Do you think this case points out the need for clear global rules? And if so, what do you expect out of that? Look, I still think the Anvil case um, has become emblematic of mm -hmm. how hard it is for victims to get remedy. You know, they've ping-ponged between jurisdictions. We now have this decision by the African Commission that finds in favor of the victims, but which is extremely difficult to enforce. So at the end of the day, will these victims get um, the compensation to which they're due and the collective remedies that, that the, um, the, the Commission decided on, such as an apology from the government, reburial of victims buried in mass graves, recognition of the harms they've suffered, trauma counselling, etc. I still think that that will be an uphill struggle. So what I think we have here is an important moral victory, but we still see huge gaps in actual remedy for the mm -hmm. victims. Right. And this decision today does not mean that tomorrow these victims have compensation in their bank accounts or that their loved ones are being reburied or that there's recognition by the Congolese government of these crimes. I think we're still a long way off on that. But what I think is interesting here is an African body of the African Union pointing its finger at a mining company and also saying, you need to be held to account for what happened. And that's pretty rare. Now let's work to make sure that these kinds of decisions are enforced. And, and I think that remains a challenge that all of us in our work face. And, you know, we have so few victories in this work. So congratulations for all the great work you and earlier Trisha has done in this regard. And um, thanks again and uh, wonderful talking to you. Great. Thank you very much, Salil.